Hi friends. Um, so only a couple of you are still listening to my read alouds. So I'm not going to keep giving you challenges, but I am going to continue to share uh, this awesome story with you. So we are on chapter 15, Batty's Spying Mission. By Sunday morning, Rosalind had picked out a sonnet to memorize for English class. Lying on her bed, she murmured the opening lines to herself. No, time. Thou shalt not boast that I do change. Thy pyramids built up with newer might to me are nothing novel, nothing strange. They are but dressings of a former sight. Yes, that would work. No one would understand a word of what she was saying, let alone think she was talking about love. Still, though, she had a problem. It wasn't enough to just recite the poem. Her teacher wanted her to recite it with expression. And since she barely understood the poem herself, she didn't know what expression to use. Solemn? Hushed, like she was imparting great wisdom to the other seventh graders? Like she could do that without looking silly. Well, what then? Sing-songy? No time, thou shalt not boast that I do change. She stopped. Appalled. Absolutely not sing-songy. She'd have to ask Anna for guidance. Anna had no such problems for her own poem, for she'd signed up for Lewis Carroll and Jabberwocky, which really did make no sense, and so it could be recited any way the reciter wanted. And it was absolutely, definitely not about love. Lucky Anna. Rosalind closed her Shakespeare book and stood up. Yes, she'd go over to Anna's house to work on poem recitation. No one needed her right now. Daddy was home to watch Batty. Sky was still in Boston, and the last time she'd seen Jane, she was doing football drills by herself. This would be the perfect time to leave. She'd just have to find her father to make certain. She found him in the kitchen, talking on the phone. Jane was there, dude. Jane was there too, doing deep knee bends. Aunt Claire, she mouthed silently to Rosalind, pointing to their father. Even if Jane hadn't told her. It would have soon been obvious who was on the other end of the phone. No, I don't need another blind date, he was saying. Yes, I'm still dating Marianne. This afternoon, as a matter of fact. Yes, and it will be the second date. Fabulous, indeed. And suddenly, I've remembered it's actually a lunch date. And it is almost lunchtime. I need to say goodbye and get ready to go. He hung up the phone with a bang. Here's some advice, daughters. Try to avoid having younger sisters. Too late for that, Daddy, said Jane. Right, of course. Nemo mortalium omnibus horus sabit. Or in my case, not even frequently. Do not fret, my Rosie, I'll translate it for you. Nor, no mortal is wise at all times. I'm not fretting. But Rosalind was fretting, dreadfully so much so that her hands were shaking. Since they'd gotten through most of the weekend without even a mention of a date, Rosalind had let herself hope that Marianne was gone from their lives. She'd even started, reconcil- re- she'd even started to reconsider Valeria, the former Mary-, Mary Magdalene, among others, as a possible blind date candidate, maybe for that gala event at Cameron University in a few weeks. But now, without warning, the mysterious Marianne was back. You're going out, Daddy? asked Jane. Yes, I'm taking Marianne to lunch, and I have to leave. 
he glanced at his watch. In fifteen minutes. Rosalind, do you mind being in charge for an hour or so? She minded very much. It didn't matter about not going over to Anna's house. Shakespeare could wait. But it mattered a great deal about the second date. A second date got one perilously close to a third. And then a fourth. And then how long would it be before that terrifying downhill slide to his stepmother? No, we'll be fine, she said. Good. You're my angels. And now I'm off to primp and preen. When he was gone, Rosalind threw herself into a chair. This was a nightmare. She said so to Jane. Well, Daddy certainly is acting oddly, said Jane, doing one last knee bend, then sitting down too. Could Skye be right about him going bonkers? But maybe she's wrong about it being the stress of dating. Could Daddy be driven mad by love? How long does it take grown-ups to fall in love anyway? I don't know. I don't know anything. Rosalind rested her forehead on the table. It was an uncomfortable position, which made it appropriate for the moment. I don't even know anything about Marianne, except she doesn't like flannel and does like going on long walks. And that she's not listed in the phone book, said Jane. No Marianne Dashwood anywhere around here. You looked in the phone book? Rosalind lifted her head, impressed with Jane's ingenuity. Skye and I did one day, to give ourselves a break from rehearsing Sisters in Sacrifice. And we even called the phone company to make sure. We can't find a trace of her anywhere. Do you think she's an ex-con in the Witness Protection Program? Probably not. Though the idea cheered Rosalind up slightly. Her father would never go so far as to marry an ex-con. Listen, Jane. If Daddy's going to keep dating this woman, we have to find out something about her. Or even... Yuck. Meet her. We can't fight against an unknown. A secret. A mirage. A will-o'-the-wisp. Jane swayed back and forth, waved her arms like she thought a will-o'-the-wisp would. But really, it was more like sirens on the rocks. So how do we do it? Let me think. Jane stopped being a siren and tried to come up with a plan. But she couldn't. And neither could Rosalind, who said, We'll just have to start asking Daddy questions. Tough, incisive questions. Until he reveals all. Yes! We'll be tough, Rosalind brightened up. When Skye gets back from Boston, we'll make sure she's tough, too. Do or die? For the Penderwick family honor. And they shook on it. Later... Daddy tried to blame it all on Hound. And it was true that if he hadn't fallen asleep in the middle of hide-and-seek, she wouldn't have been stuck waiting for him in the kitchen broom door closet. And if she hadn't been in the broom closet, she wouldn't have overheard the conversations that took place in the kitchen, especially the one between Rosalind and Jane. She couldn't deny, however, that the actual stowing away in her father's car was her own idea. In fact, when she tried to load blankets for hiding other... Into the back of the car, Hound, now quite awake, grabbed hold of them, and no matter how hard Batty pulled, he wouldn't let go. You have to let me take these blankets, she said. I'm going to hide under them and spy on Marianne for Rosalind and Jane. They're going to be impressed. Hound, on the other hand, wasn't impressed. Maybe he knew that Rosalind wouldn't approve of such a scheme, or maybe 
He simply didn't believe in stowing away in cars. He took a firmer hold on the blankets. Maddie was desperate, for her father was going to show up at any moment. One blanket would have to do. In a sneak attack, she threw one over Hound's head and he let go of the other one, as she figured he would. She grabbed it, leapt into the car and closed the door, then watched out the window while he bucked and tossed until the blanket fell off. Free now, Hound whipped this way and that, searching for Batty. When he figured out where she was, he threw himself at the car, barking hysterically. Batty tried burrowing under one blanket, the one she'd brought, hoping that would discourage him. But having her out of sight only made him bark louder. She huffed with annoyance. Real secret agents didn't have dogs that gave away hiding places. Beaten, she opened the door again and told Hound to climb in. He whined and pawed the ground for a while. But when he realized that he had to go with her or let her go alone, he leapt in, dragging his blanket along. But we're being secret agents, she said, shoving him to the floor of the car and covering him. So you must be quiet. Woof. Now, there was nothing to do but get into her car seat, fasten her seatbelt, cover herself, and wait. And think that if she brought back really good information about Marianne, maybe Rosalind would stop worrying so much about Daddy. Batty wanted it back the old way, and Rosalind was happier, and never missed story time because she was on the phone talking about her worries with Anna, and then Daddy had to do story time instead. He wasn't as good at the voices. At last, Batty heard her father opening the car door. She sunk down low under her blanket and nudged Hound with her foot to remind him to be quiet. But what was this? Daddy was walking away again. Where was he going? She waited and waited. And then, just before losing all hope, heard him coming back. This time he got in and the engine came on, and the radio, and then the car was moving, and Batty was off on her first spying mission away from Gardam Street. She wished Ben were there. She'd have to tell him all about it later, and he would be amazed at her daring. On and on they drove. Too soon, Batty realized she was hungry, and she hadn't brought along anything to eat, even cookies. Probably real secret agents had people who packed cookies for them to take along on their missions. To make things worse, it was a hot hiding under the blanket. And dark, especially with her sunglasses on. She felt hounds stirring at her feet, but he kept quiet, and that gave her the courage to keep quiet too. At least until a stray dog hair tickled her nose and she sneezed. Horrified, she clamped her hand to her mouth, but too late. Daddy must have heard her. But no, he only turned up the radio and kept on driving. It was only when the car finally stopped that Batty realized this wasn't the best planned mission. Her father could leave her locked in the car for hours while he visited with Marianne. Hound was grumbling. She was sure he was saying that he told her so. And she was getting more hungry all the time. What should she do? For some reason, her father wasn't getting out of the car. He just seemed to be sitting in the front seat, still listening to the radio. And then he rolled his window down. Batty could tell, because drifting into the car came the most amazingly delicious smell. Oh, oh it was pizza! 
If Batty had been hungry before, now she was hungry. Now she was so hungry, she thought she could die of it. Spying was terrible work. How did real secret agents do it? Then her father started to talk. Imagine that. I've parked right in front of Antonio's Pizza. I wish I had someone to share pineapple pizza with. Now, of all the pizzas in the world, Batty's favorite was pineapple, especially from Antonio's, where they put on lots of extra pineapple and extra cheese so that the pieces of pineapple sank down into the cheese and the cheese got all crispy around, around the sweet pineapple. Oh, her father started making the mmm mmm sounds that people make when they're thinking about really special food. And Batty knew then that even if her mission failed, and Rosalind and Jane were not impressed with her, and Daddy got angry. Even if all of that happened, she had to have some pineapple pizza. She threw aside her blanket. Daddy, it's me! What a lovely surprise, he said. Not at all angry, or much surprised either. Hound is here too, on the floor. She threw aside his blanket too. Of course he is, for whither you go, there he usually is too. Let's go get some pizza. Since Antonio's was crowded that day, they had a picnic in the car, almost as big a treat as pizza itself, and Batty spilled hardly anything, except one piece of pineapple that got smashed on the floor of the car and never would come out again. When everyone had eaten their fill, even Hound, who was given the leftover crusts, and Mr. Penderwick had wiped bat down Batty with lots of napkins, he said, now, we must talk seriously. Did you tell Rosalind you were stowing away? No, it was a secret. So you didn't consider how worried she would be when she discovered you were missing? Batty pictured Rosalind, frantically searching everywhere. Maybe we should call her up and tell her I'm safe. Actually, I left a note for her before we left home. Thank you, Daddy. But how did I know that you were, I was in your car? There was no other logical reason for a large amount of blankets to appear in the back seat. Batty was disappointed. Her hiding skills were not as great as she'd hoped. Cheer up, said her father, cleaning one last blob of tomato sauce off her chin. You'd have fooled me if I weren't so wise and all-knowing. But tell me, why are you here? Running away from home again? More rabbit trouble? He was referring to the time she'd run away from Arundel that past summer because she thought she'd murdered one of Cagney's pet rabbits. No, no rabbits. I'm only here to spy on you. That is on Marianne. Rosalind and Jane don't know anything about her and I'm going to find out and tell them and then... She stopped, suddenly remembering about honor. Then what? He sounded truly curious, not at all annoyed. And he was daddy, after all. Well, since they don't understand how you're acting, they wonder if you're going crazy. How about you? Do you think I'm going crazy? No. How about now? He made a face with his eyes rolling and his nose scrunched up and his mouth wide open in a loony grin. And Batty shrieked with laughter. And then he was tickling her, and she tried to tickle him, and everyone was laughing, and Hound was barking, 
and the pizza box and napkins were flying everywhere until they were all ran out of breath and flopped happily back into their seats. Then her father said, You want something to tell your sisters about Marianne? How about this? She's sensible and clever, but eager in everything. Her sorrows and joys can have no moderation. I don't know that last word. Rosalind will. Maybe I'd better have you memorize it. And so he did, until she could say it all the way through without hesitating. Can have no moderation, she finished on a note of triumph. Perfect. And by the way, if your Aunt Clara asks, tell her too. And you know what, Batty? You and I haven't had an adventure together, just the two of us, for a long time. Let's do that now. Where do you want to go? Oh, Daddy, you know. He did know. And that's where they went. So where did you go? asked Rosalind. She and Jane had pounced on Batty as soon as she got home, and then dragged her away for questioning. First we went to the store for carrots, and then we visited Eleanor and Franklin, said Batty. Eleanor and Franklin were horses that lived on a nearby farm, and Batty had been visiting them with her father as long as she could remember. They were glad to see me and Hound, and Eleanor ate most of the carrots, but I picked Clover for Franklin, and I told them all about Jeffrey. But what about Mary Ann? asked Jane. She wasn't there. We realize that, honey, said Rosalind. Jane meant, what happened to Daddy's date with Marianne? I don't know. Did you hear him call her to cancel? Did he say anything about that? No. Batty's happiness was oozing away. She'd forgotten about the date. What kind of a secret agent was she, anyway? But then she remembered that she hadn't failed altogether. She had the description of Marianne that Daddy had given her. She told the others. She's sensible and clever, but eager in everything? Jane repeated. Her sorrows, her joys can have no moderation? Doesn't sound like Daddy, said Rosalind. Are you sure that's what he said? He made me memorize it. Memorize it? Why? Rosalind turned to Jane. Does that make any sense to you? No. We're in big trouble, said Rosalind. Yes, we are, agreed Jane. Daddy's definitely going nuts. <laughs>